Coming to you from the back room of your parents' favorite porn store, it is Cursory, Cursory Overload. Overload. You're listening to Cursory Overload. And we're in this motherfucker. What up, everybody? It's your boys back for another round another of cursory motherfucking overload. Motherfucking overload. You know, I was reading a recent study, and a study says that listening to cursory overload is quite honestly the best thing in the world. Hmm, sounds accurate. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, and they, they actually say the only thing that even comes close is uh, when when you, you, you go down on your woman while she's on the phone with her mom and, you know, she's a screamer. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, no, sounds, sounds pretty accurate. I think, yeah. I'll go with that one. I think uh, five out of whoever the fuck came up with this study, five <laughs> out of five recommend it. <laughs> That's right. It, it's like cereal. All, all the doctors recommend it. Motherfuckers and motherfuckerettes. Thank you for joining us. It's a new day. It's been a very fucked up week. Uh, so hopefully we're going to deliver a little. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. A I little something. A, a little, little something different. A little different distraction. I mean, like I said, it's it it's taken a lot for you know us to get behind the microphones today. It's it's one of those. I don't know. Like I said, it I, I just can't let it go. But uh, this episode is kind of special. Uh, we, Very special. We had the opportunity to speak with uh, Vic Ferrari. He's a retired NYPD detective, uh, and he's also an author, which, uh, speaking of... Uh, let me see. I got the, the, the titles here written down somewhere. Right here. Oh, you so, have... Yeah, we got we got NYPD Law and Disorder. Yep. And he also wrote NYPD's Flying Circus, Cops, Crimes, and Chaos. Yep. NYPD Through the Looking Glass. All right, hold Grand on. Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. And before we get to one of my favorites, which I, as soon as I contacted him and I started looking into stuff, I downloaded this one because it, it it's so cursory overload. But, right. uh Okay, the new one that's not out yet uh, should be available by August, I believe. Uh, Confessions of a Catholic High School Graduate. That's the new one, which. Uh, mm-hmm. But the one that I just had to have. Come on. You had to have it. I had to have it, and apparently it caught your attention too. Yeah, because I, I I mentioned something about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what had happened was okay. Uh, Luckily, one of us was able to take the lead on that. I had to give up my line to record. So um, I played DJ on this one, you know. It's, uh, I played DJ in the background. Hey, DJ. And we yeah. had the KDOGG took over the interview. So uh, like I said, you don't hear much from me because I'm monitoring shit. Because we used uh, this other program that we normally don't use. And, right, right, right. And, and eh. it just messed with me yeah uh, let's see if next time we can convince them to use uh the old skype force 
Right. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. When you hear it, please bear with me. I am no Walter motherfucking Cronkite. You could have fooled me, motherfucker. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think it's uh, no, I, I, it went very smooth, man. Now, of course, I am biased, but but uh, it's uh, it's something that I hope you guys enjoy. I mean, he tells stories of when he worked with NYPD. Now, I do apologize. There were some technical difficulties. Like I said, that's why I had to give up my line in order to record them. And, well, uh, you know, I think that's part of what you guys like about us is the fact that, that we're not polished. We're not perfect. We're not uh, we're, we're, we're not like what you normally hear. We're, we keep it 100 percent real. You know, we're, we're two dudes that, that just love to talk shit and, and are learning along the way. So pretty much. Um, I, I think that's what he's trying to say. All right. Yeah. Basically, what I'm saying, if I'm saying anything, is that uh, I don't know. We I don't know. I think this is like our second interview ever. I mean, last time we had Scuba Steve, you know, the motocross mechanic. The motocross mechanic. Yeah. Yep. He, he was awesome. I enjoyed him. Yep. I'm biased there, too. Anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So without further ado, motherfuckers, motherfuckerettes, it's, uh, you know, hanging out with Vic Ferrari. Fun. But, yeah, I, mean, I had a great career. I have no regrets whatsoever. It was a lot of fun, excitement. I got to meet a lot of great people, you know, and then and as a result of it, years later, I got into writing books, which I guess the NYPD is still paying me back, you know. <laughs> right, right. So how long have you been able to turn off some of the police mindset since you've been out for so long? Or is that just something that's always, you know, uh, I've noticed that a lot of police, when they're in the, the profession doing it, they're in one mindset, but they find it very difficult after they leave to, to kind of re- go back to civilian life if you will there's definitely there's definitely a transition period so it, it's like you're used to doing something for 20 i guess it would be the same as if you were with somebody and then you got a divorce <laughs> right. and then all of a sudden then all of a sudden you're waking up and it's like well this is great but then that person isn't there anymore there's there's things to learn you have to um yeah you basically have to reorganize your time right um right and like you said, you're in one mindset. Well, that's great while you're a police officer and you're in law enforcement. You never really lose that, but it's almost like you you know to pull back with that mentality. You should, at least. Right. Um, it, there's definitely a transition period. I, I didn't really struggle that much with it because um, a- after I retired, I became a police officer down in Florida for a short time, and I absolutely hated it. But... Um, that kind of was got me down off it a little bit, and that, that's when I got into writing. I said, I got to do something with my time. You know, I tried a bunch of different things, and, and I had fun with it. And I'm glad I did, but ultimately, the writing I think was the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And, and, and so, so when you decided to to uh, write uh, several books, did you have the intention of writing several, or was it just let me get through one and and see see how I feel? You know, the intention, like when I retired, writing a book was the furthest thing from my mind. It was my friends that like, you know, you got all these stories. You should really start stringing them together and write a book. Like, you know, like anyone else, I, I had no formal training. I said, who's going to want to, you know, who wants to hear what I have to say? I said, let me give it a shot. And uh, I put out my first NYPD book. And, uh, you know, I was worried. I, I didn't know how the public would receive it. I didn't know how my peers would receive it. And... Uh, 
surprisingly, both came back positive. And, you know, I, the two things I set out when I was started writing these NYPD books was I didn't want to get anybody in trouble, embarrassed or divorced. Right. <laughs> so I don't name names. I don't blast people. I just, you know, I just I change the dates, the locations, the times, the ranks. I might move a character from one story into another to make it, you know, like a Seinfeld episode. You got to string it together. Right. But, right. Um, you know, I, I had a great career, so my books aren't sour grapes. Oh, I hated this guy. We all, there's everybody, everybody's got somebody at work they don't like or can't stand. I either choose not to write about those people or I don't put them on blast. I get my point across and I just move on. Right, right. Don't give them the time of day anymore. Yeah, and it's like, you know, just because I've got a forum now, that, that doesn't make it right to just pummel somebody. <laughs> right. Because they, they might have a total different perspective on my opinion, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, even though you think you're right, you might not always be right. Right. Now, uh, after having wrote four uh, about your, your life as a police officer, and then moving into your life growing up in, in high school, uh, have you thought about venturing off into other areas, uh, maybe fiction writing, or you know, kind of go into like a, 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 a series of books, more like a boss, or something along that line? You know, you're not the first person that suggested that to me. Um, I don't know if I could write fiction. Maybe I could. I just, I, I, as we speak, I'm in the editing stages. I've got a book coming out called Confessions of a Catholic High School Graduate. And it's about me growing up in the Bronx in the 70s and 80s and the time period and the ridiculous things that I got myself involved in in high school. And then basically that Catholic high school prepared me for an NYPD career. Oh. Right. The book opens up with me getting chased out of a confession booth, which really happened. Oh, okay. So, is that you know, the cover? I was a kid, and you know, back then, I mean, you know, going to Catholic high school, you stepped out of line, you were going to get dumped, and hmm. that that kind of prepared me for for the police department. Okay, <clears throat> yeah. So I never experienced Catholic high school like getting thumped like that, but I do remember myself. Uh, I remember in the sixth grade getting getting called to the principal's office. Uh, and having to drop the pants and get the paddle um, right then and there was that was that a common occurrence in, in Catholic school? Well, no. I mean, I never had to drop my pants. But here's the thing: like, they didn't just go around like pummeling people. But I was a smartass, and if you stepped out of line, I mean, not every time, but th there was a price to be paid. So if you screwed around class, you were definitely getting detention. You didn't do if you you know if your grades weren't where they were supposed to be, they weren't moving you along. You either attended summer school and you had to make up the work at summer school, and if you didn't, you were getting left back, which no kid wants. I mean, that's right. a fate worse than death. Because as a child, every child wants to move on with their friends and get on with their life. You don't want to sit back with a bunch of younger kids and then you're labeled you're labeled a moron. So I, I was always I was worried about that in school, but um. Did they hit us? Yeah, they, you know, it was a smack in the face, a ruler across the knuckles. Um, there's a story in there. We had a, a brother that had a habit of, he had like this famous move, it was called like a slap and pull. What he would do is he'd slide up to your desk and give you a slap in the face and grab your tie and yank you out of the chair. Now, I always had a problem. To this day, I have a problem tying a tie. I can't tie a Windsor knot for the life of me. <laughs> so by junior year, I started wearing clip-ons. And one day I was acting up in class. He come walking to the back of the classroom. He grabbed my tie 
And when he rocked back to pull, he went backwards with the tie in his hand and he went flying back. You know, it was like someone pulled the emergency brake on a train. He went sailing through the desks and landed on, on, on his desk. And the classroom erupts in laughter. And he's just standing there looking at this rayon tie in his hand. He's like, what the fuck? He throws the tie down. He comes running back up on the aisle. I'm like, oh, shit. So I got down like a possum. I just kind of covered my head. And he threw me a couple of lefts and rights. And that was the end of it. You know, it's funny. Like people ask, like, didn't you tell your parents? It's like, here's the deal. If I went to my parents and I said, brother so-and-so gave me a smack. And my parents would be pissed. And they go, "What, what happened? What did you do? And what does every kid say? Nothing. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything, right? Every kid. And I know what my father would have said. Okay, Vic, if, well, I'm going to go to school tomorrow and I'm going to talk to this teacher or priest. And if his story is more believable than yours, you're going to be hanging on a cross next to Jesus. Oh. So are you sure you want to go with that story? <laughs> so I knew, I was like, you know what? Why am I going to roll the dice and relive this again? It's over. Move on with my life. That's just basically how I looked at it as a child. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. Growing up in my house, it, it was a, a big. Uh, I would never tell my mom if I ever got in trouble. Because then, when I got home, I would I would get it again for embarrassing her. Oh yeah, you know, same with, when funny. I was a kid. I got smacked around by the cops a couple of times, and it didn't. You know, at the time, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But then you look back and you're like, the cops came to this keg party like ten times. They told us to leave. You know. We didn't leave, and one of us got smart, and, you know, they, they smacked us around. The, the difference is back then, like with the police and teachers, they, the cops wouldn't arrest teenagers for doing stupid shit. They'd give you a kick in the ass or scare the hell out of you. They wouldn't arrest you. You wouldn't get a juvenile record. You know what I mean? It wasn't right. something that would follow you for the rest of your life. Um Nowadays, you know, with civil liability and parents looking to sue and all these, you know, pop-up attorneys it's cops are reluctant to do it so what are they going to do they're going to take your kid to a detention center for spray painting and doing something stupid instead of nipping it in the what i mean so yes i had that wisdom and experience for some people but then other people i'm sure i was a pain in the ass because i'm 40 something years old and i've got a 28 year old sergeant who's got his way of doing things i've got my way of doing things you know what I mean? So right. it's shame on me if I'm sitting in the pool and somebody pissed in it. If I don't like it, get up and leave. Right. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, I'm yeah. not one of these ones that's going to go down with the ship if I don't like what's going on. It's like, well, shame on me if I hang around and then I become a bitter person. And you see that with cops sometimes. They're miserable. They can't retire or they don't like their job necessarily because of circumstances or they're burned out. But they want to hit that pension or they want to stay longer to pad their pension. But it's a game of pension roulette because – it takes its toll on you if you hang around too long and you're miserable. Now, if everything's going well and you're in a good gig, you know what I mean, and you've got like a Mary Poppins-type personality, you're going to be fine. But it's the guys that will stay in the same precinct for decades, driving around in circles, commuting 60, 70 miles a day one way to get out of the city, and it burns them out. You know what I mean? And once these guys retire and go home, the divorce rate goes through the roof because – they only see their wives on weekends and vacations, right? Now, all of a sudden, this guy's been, you know, going to the Bronx every day or Brooklyn every day for 25 years. Now he's home. Now he wants to know, why do you keep the cereal in that drawer? You know what I mean? And the wife is like, fuck you. You know, I've been running the house now for 25 years without a peep from you. And now all of a sudden, you want to know, you know, you the day-to-day operation. Right. Yeah, so the, the, there's... um. 
I, in one of my books, I say that a 20 year career with the New York City Police Department is like a merry-go-round. There's ups and downs and it's fun and it's exciting, but you got to know when to get off. Because right. eventually if you stay around too long, Seabiscuit's going to throw you on your head. And that gets back to pension roulette. You could get into a shooting. You could get sued. You could get seriously injured or die. You know what I mean? The toll it takes on your health. I mean, you know, you get guys that get ulcers or, you know, mental health problems. So it's like, you know, after a while, you got to know when you've had enough. It's like going right. to a bar. It's like, do I want to walk out of here or do I want somebody to call me a cab? Right. I'm sure there's a huge addiction problem going through the, the uh, a career like that after guys have been on and seen so many things. Um, you know, it's you know. funny. Is it, it's, there's a, there's a t- I forget who gave me this test. It was a while ago, but there's a personality test. And uh, who the hell gave me this test? I forget. But anyway, I scored in, in, in this thing of a personality for a cop, and I was surprised. And they said... There's a certain, not all cops, but there's a certain personality type that gravitates for that job because they're addicted to excitement and adrenaline, which is true. But they also said that a lot of cops get in trouble towards the tail end of their careers or after they retire because you're so addicted to the adrenaline and nothing is going to fulfill that again. You you know what I mean? I've yet to find something. I play softball one night a week. I've been doing it now for 10 years. That's the closest thing of excitement I can get to getting into a car chase or, or, you know, chasing a bad guy. Like running out of the batter's box for 10 seconds, if if I'm lucky enough to hit a single or a double, that's the closest thing to adrenaline rush that I have nowadays. But you got to realize that that's not good for you after a while. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't keep putting yourself in harm's way. So I think that leads to, like you said, alcoholism or maybe sometimes cops get involved with drugs because – for 20 years, you're told, no, stay the fuck away from this. You're drug screened, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now all of a sudden, the, um, what do you call the, um, the training wheels are taken off. No one's looking at you anymore. You can do whatever the hell you want. It's like a kid in a candy store. And that's why you'll see sometimes you're like, you know, ex-cop involved in some kind of sting or operation. It's like, it's the adrenaline. Right. Mm. It's got to be a... They take a huge toll on you when you when you leave all that excitement, and not only just the excitement, but every day you you go on, you clock on, and you never know what you're going to expect. You never know what, every call is going to be different. You can go from a from a, a regular traffic stop to a robbery to a, a suicide to a DOA, all in a span of about three hours. You know. Yeah, and New York City. I mean, there's nine million people in the five boroughs. And I mean, I worked in busy precincts and I worked in slow precincts and I worked in a slow precinct and I was involved in some of the craziest shit. And it's like, I, I went one time on a Saturday night. It, it was supposed to be a cardiac and a woman was stabbed to death in her apartment and her son did it. And the son was there and he was pretending that he found her after he came back. And, oh, it was wild. Another time I, I, I Went, went on a domestic and a guy decapitated his wife. So, and that was a slow oh, place fuck. to work. So you're right. You never know what the call is. Just because the call says one thing, it could be totally different. You know what I mean? You never know what you're getting yourself involved in. You pull a car over and you just think, oh, it's going to be, I'm either going to give this guy a warning or I'm going to give him a ticket. And then it just it erupts. Right. It just goes from there. Next thing you know, you're on a 10-mile police chase and, you know, or in the fight of your life, 
You're right. wrestling with somebody over a gun. And that's happened to me a couple of times where I've wrestled with people with a gun. And it's the scariest thought. I mean, when you're a kid, you get into a fight. Or if, God forbid, you're an adult, you get into a fight. You're just trying to win and get away from this guy. When you're wrestling with somebody with a gun or a knife, it's the scariest thing in the world because you can't lose. There's that. It's, it's amazing. Like, you know, like you almost get into a car accident or something scary happens to you and like that adrenaline kicks in and even though it's a split second, your mind just opens up and you can think so quickly. Right. You know what I mean? It's like you say to yourself, how was I able to process all that in that short split second? And when you're fighting with somebody with a weapon and you know they're looking to hurt you, I mean, it's like I can't lose. You, you there's, a, there's a survival, at least with me, there was a survival instinct like – it's almost like I don't care if I get hurt. I don't care if I get a hernia. You know what I mean? It's like if I lose, game over. Right. You know like what whatever I mean? it this takes. This person is going to take this gun and kill me. You know what I mean? Right. Or hurt someone else. So it's amazing how that your mind just slows down when that adrenaline is pumping. Yeah, it's like time comes to a complete stop. Yes. And everything, everything, uh, this it, it it becomes vivid. Like it, it's. It's the wildest thing. I remember when I was doing security, I had to draw out on somebody. <clears throat> and at that moment, I could have told you every mosquito within a thousand yards, like every everything just became super highlighted. And it it's was, amazing, in a, right? in a, it, it's just, and, but then when, when it's over, you can't sleep for days. <laughs> you know, it's funny because people ask me a lot, do I have nightmares? I don't. You know, the only dreams I have about police work is, it's like a recurring dream, there's a couple of them, but one is, I know I'm retiring in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, how do I want to do this? Do I want to, you know, stop and stop by all the places I worked and visit all the people that I'm probably not going to see again? Is my overtime where it is? You know, did I finish all my cases? I don't want to leave a mess for someone else. But I, I don't have, like, nightmares or, you know, um, I mean, I was down at ground zero. I don't have nightmares about that. You know what I mean? It's just I don't. I don't know why, but it just, um, I mean, I get upset if I if it's on television. I'm watching a documentary. It's like, oh, it, it bothers me. But at the same time, I don't have nightmares. It doesn't torment me. Right. I think I think there's, it just goes back to a mindset. It takes a certain individual to be able to do to do that level of work because um, your, your brain also almost has to uh naturally compartmentalize everything you know and on its own it, it, it can't be you have to do it it just it has to happen you know and it's not for everybody we worked with a guy who his whole life wanted to be a cop his whole life he went through the academy you know aced it he, he was a star pupil uh first night on fto they pull a car over and, and guy had a gun and pulled it out on him and luckily, everything went down the way it was supposed to. But after that, the guy realized, hey, this isn't for me. I can't do this. This this, this is not what I signed up for. And, you know, he left after that, sadly. Um, but, you know, it's not for everybody. No, and you're right. And sometimes, especially with rookies, um, something, something wrong will happen very early. And they're never the same again. There was a female cop that we worked with. She was right out of the academy, like a week, maybe less than a month. And uh, they sent her down to the hospital to guard a guy that was suicidal, like at a mental health facility. So they were waiting to, to put him in. So there's like an observation period. And 
the guy wanted to use the bathroom and she uncuffed him and he got her gun away from her and he's waving it around he's waving it around in the hospital room and uh, he put the gun in his mouth and blew his brains out right in front of her so you know it, it, it's you know it's safe to say she really didn't want to do enforcement after that you know what I mean right. it was um I mean she she hung in there for a while she, she was still a cop for a while I don't know if she did 20 but she wasn't you know uh, a go-getter if you know what I mean. Like, she wasn't, like, the first one through the door or, you know, I, I think it affected her. Right. Yeah, we have a friend who uh, got done with her training, and then about a month on her own, she, they get a call, and she showed up to on scene. It was a domestic violence, and uh, the guy ended up opening fire on him, and her commander was killed on the scene, and then her and her partner were, were both shot. And then, but, you know, as soon as she started recuperating, she, she couldn't wait to get back out in the field. You know, it's just some people are designed for it. Yeah, it just, and like you said, you compartmentalize thing. It's almost like a circuit breaker. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you try not to let it get to you and you think about something else. Right. You know, you just sit, it's like anything else. I mean, listen, we've all lost a loved one and it crushes us for that time, but... The thing is, if you let that, that will drag you down the drain. If you just, you know, keep with it. I mean, you know, it's you're still always going to love that person, and they've definitely left a void in your life. But but you have to move on. Right. You know what I mean? Because if you don't, you, you're just going to be a basket case. Right. 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 So, <clears throat> so you you did uh, detective work in a lot of different kind of precincts, and I know you were doing uh, uh, auto theft. Um, <laughs> It, was that fun? Was it was oh, it difficult? Yeah. Uh, I mean, no. I, my last ten years, I was a detective in the auto crime division. So that was chop shops, exporting stolen vehicles out of the country, changing of vehicle identification numbers, mob run junkyards. No, it was like a three ring circus. In the mid nineties, the New York, New York City was averaging one hundred and fifty thousand stolen vehicles a year. So it was like shooting fish in a barrel, like. I could throw the two of you guys in a radio call with a computer and say, drive, and I'll just punch plates because I know what to look for. We're going to get a stolen car. And the auto crime division was kind of, if you ever saw the movie Heat with Al Pacino, he yeah. worked on crews. Like, yeah, we would pick off the garden variety pain in the ass car thief from time to time, but we were going after the head of the snake, you know what I mean? Like, where the cars are going, why right. they're getting shot. Who's sending them out of the country, you know, to put a dent in the guys that are putting in the orders for those things. And it, it was fun. It was exciting. Um, that was probably the best 10 years of my career. I was always a car guy, even like when I was in uniform driving around. I was always picking mm -hmm. off stolen cars because I liked it. It was fun. It was mm -hmm. exciting. You know what I mean? And with a stolen car, it's, the car is either stolen or it's not stolen. He or she was either driving it or they weren't driving it. You, you know what I mean? It wasn't. Right. It was pretty clean, clean cut. And I grew up, I, I worked in a gas station as a kid, and I worked in a neighborhood where there were a ton of car thieves, so I knew what to look for early on. Right, you were kind of kind of raised up into it. I saw quite a bit, yeah. Like, when I was a kid, we used to have, you know, and this is, you know, the, the beginning of, like, the heroin and crack epidemic in New York City. You get all these kids coming into the gas station with stolen cars, you know, with the General Motors cars, with the long neck steering columns, would be broken with a towel or a bandana wrapped around <laughs> right. it. You know, one key of the ignition, um, the vent window broken, you, you know what I mean? Or that, right. that bullshit balloon tire when you get a flat that's supposed to be for 40 miles and they'll throw it on a car and drive it for 500, you know, on a brand new <laughs> Cadillac. You're like, why would they do Because the car is stolen. So right. I, I knew what to look for early on in life, you know, in that career. 
Somehow I knew you would. <laughs> it's like right up my alley. In fact, I downloaded it to my Kindle right away. <laughs> That's the book. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, dickhead, Dickheads and Debauchery and Other Ingenious Ways to Die. It's, uh, it's a comedy. It's not really. There's a couple of police stories in there, but it's basically the, the ridiculous things people do to shorten their life expectancy. Running with the bulls in Spain. Like, why not just ride the New York City subway? Why would right. you travel all the way to Spain and take your chances of getting gored by a bull? You know, um, it, it's just the ridiculous things people do to shorten their life expectancy. Right, like typical white people things. Yeah, <laughs> you know, swimming with sharks. People or... that burn down their porch when they're deep frying a turkey. You know right. what I mean? Like things like that, not knowing what right. they're doing. Right, right. Oh, oh man. So, if you could go back and change one case do you do you have a do you, does one come into mind oh i got so many because you know what hindsight is twenty twenty, and you step back right and you're like oh i could I, i'll tell you one i'll tell you a quick story we had this case i mean it's a this could be a book within itself we did a case where we had chinese nationals that were shipping 20 stone they were sh shipping between 20 and 30 stolen cars out of the country going to shanghai Right. And so you had Chinese nationals that were running it. You had a Jamaican middleman who was putting in the orders for the cars. And then he had crews of steel guys in the Bronx that were stealing cars. The Jamaican, the middleman, got 5000 a car. The car thieves got between 500 and 1000 Okay. So you had that going on. That's exciting. They're stealing 30 cars a month. The cars are going to this warehouse in Brooklyn. They're getting put in shipping containers. They're getting railed to California. They're going on shipping containers. They're going to Shanghai, right? While we're up on these guys' phones, we quickly realized that a couple of the guys involved in this are doing hits. They're doing murders on the side. And they're bragging oh, about sure. it, right? So now we got murder for hire business, right? That's, that's a complete, I can tell another story about that that'll blow your mind. So we got that. But there was a couple of scams that one of the car thieves was doing where he would steal a car, right? He would steal a brand new car, then he would buy a salvage one just like it, right? A, a junk car. And he would take the VIN numbers from the stolen car, put it on the junk one, and push the junk one out in the street. Department of Sanitation would come along, cancel the alarm on the car, right? Right. sanitize it, the car would go to a junkyard, but they're canceling the alarm on that stolen wow. car, right? He's now, th then he just gets a phony title and registers the car because the alarm's been canceled. This oh, is before Lord. car facts and everything mm -hmm. else. And, you know, we pick up on this on the phones. And I'm like, how the fuck does he know how to do that? And I go, he's got to know somebody in sanitation. He's got, he has to. Someone had to explain. You can't do it now, so whoever's listening, don't try it. But I'm like, how did he fucking figure out how to do that, right? I figure out that he's renting a garage from a sanitation worker. So I'm like, all right, motherfucker. So when we take down the case. We lock everybody up and stuff. He's, he's going away for murder and stuff. And he, he just he won't give up the sanitation guy. They grew up together. Right? right, But I knew the guy's name, or the first name, and seven, eight years go by, and I'm in my office, and a 
sanitation supervisor comes in and he's in our office and he's and I don't think anything of it and I hear my sergeant the guy had an, I'm not going to say it but the guy had an unusual first name and I went oh the fucker it's him, it's him. <laughs> so I go did you just own a garage on on such and such a block he goes yeah and I went you son of a bitch and I just uh, you, the guy turned white the guy was yeah. like because he's figuring that guy's in jail. That's seven, eight years ago. This is over with. Right. And I just jump up. It's like like a psychic. Just start like, you know, I know you did this. I know you did that. And the guy just turned pale white. Now, I'm retiring soon, right? So I'm telling the guys in my office, listen, I'm retiring, but you got to do something with this guy. The guy died a month later. Oh, oh. oh shit. <laughs> Oh shit! I guess he got his. I am dead a month later. Oh, damn! Damn! <laughs> well, it's a wild story, got. right? Yeah. Right. That's nuts. That's crazy how it went from just stealing cars all the way to sanitation to, to oh, and then he then he ends up just dying. Yeah. Well, like it's the same. Like you said, if I could change anything, it's the same as writing these books. You know, once I write a book, I never read it again or go near it. Because I know I'm going to look at it and go, oh, I could have made this funnier. Oh, I could have made that interesting. So it's the same thing with a case. If I sit back now and pull out one of my old cases and start going through it, it would piss me off to no end because now so much time has passed and I'm like, why didn't I see this? Right. You know when you see like on television and in real life, they'll pull cold cases? Hmm. If you look at something years later or let time pass for another set of eyes to look at it, that's how things get done because some of them, you missed that. And you thought you checked it or your mind wasn't going, taking you in that direction. Right, right, right. They can see something that you can't see. Maybe you're too close to it. Maybe you're too far exactly. away from it. You know, right. All right, brother. Well, it looks like our time is almost up. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to thank you wholeheartedly for, for agreeing to come on and talk to us for a little bit. Uh, you know, it was very, very kind of you to, to take tam- time out of your day to hang out with us. No, oh, pleasure's mine. I had a blast. Hey. We are just a, a little a little uh, podcast that we're trying to to grow, and, 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 you know, that was really, really cool of you. I really appreciate it. No, anytime yeah. you want to have me come back or you need, like, an expert on something or want to run something by me, just reach out. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to, especially with this thing in Texas. I'd love to pick your brain on it. Okay. Hmm. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. Hey, thank you. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, bye. And we're back in this motherfucker. Wow. Was that a whole lot of fun, or was that a whole lot of fun? Holy fuck, man. I just hate the fact that I wasn't able to jump in, that I had to give up my line in order to record. But, oh, fuck. We got to figure this shit out, man, because he's a lot of fun to talk to. I I, I just wanted to jump in there, but I knew that if... If I jumped in there, I would cut you guys off. And he was just, you guys right. were just going at it. It was awesome. You, I mean, it flowed really well. well you, took, you took one for the team. You know what I mean? And, and, and sometimes, hey, really what, what, really what the fuck did George Carlin said when he was hitching for a ride? Sometimes you got to take a shot in the mouth. That's right. Sometimes <laughs> you do. Motherfucker. <laughs> anyway. Wipe, wipe the face off and, and get to town. Now, he did say that, you know. He would, I don't know, I guess it wasn't a horrible experience, so he did say he'd come back and hang out with us. Right. Uh, so I'm looking I, forward I really, to that. Really want, I really want to pick his brain about everything that's happened in Texas. I wanted to get a, a 
perspective uh, uh, from a law enforcement or at least previous law enforcement, someone who's been trained uh, on everything that happened and the, the hor- horrific atrocity um, that it turns out it looks more and more like it, it, it was uh, almost, a, well, not 100%, but a, law enforcement was greatly to blame on, on you know, the way things happened. I, I kind of didn't want to get into it because, uh, you know, but yeah, the well, more I read about it, the more I find out that um, they wouldn't go in because they might get shot. That's a fucking job, bitch. And that that I, I, I read, I mean, you know, the the statement there and I was like, seriously? And even uh, the, I, I was, the, the guy was, that used to do America's Most Wanted or whatever, what's his name? Um, uh, Walsh. Walsh. Yeah. He uh he intercepted uh the similar thing and he's like uh I like I can't believe he just put it out there like that. We were afraid that, that we were going to get shot so we didn't go. It's like what the fuck? You know, I, I read that and and I couldn't even understand like I couldn't comprehend it at first. It just didn't it didn't register like like I I, I guess like I didn't want to believe to actually read because i am I'm a, I'm a huge supporter in law enforcement well obviously and, but to both... read something like that uh it, it's mind-blowing it really is um i mean yeah, it... we've worked along the lines with them i mean we've worked in a very close field to law enforcement we've done first responder shit right so i mean and we had nothing but tasers on us well, at one point in yeah, time. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah. And for a while there, um, some of us carried, couldn't get rid of it fast enough, but we carried. So, you, I mean, I, by the time uh, you guys went through some scarier shit when you guys were clearing those apartments and shit like that. Yeah, that so, that was a that was a nightly nightly thing. Nightly clearing thing. out crackheads. I mean, I had clearing out crack houses. I was in the nice office over there, and over I, I moved on up to the east side. Right. Yeah, and I wasn't looking back, but uh, no, like I said, we we sort of understand that, and the idea of people running, not 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 responding, it, it, I just can't uh, picture it. You know? Yeah, I, I don't even. It does. I it, I, I can't fathom it. I know it's. Um, it, it, that was hard I, to press. Know, I, we, I know I'm kind of along 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 the lines with you. I didn't really want to broach this. Um, or if I did, I didn't know exactly how I wanted to, um, cause we normally don't talk about things like this. We normally try to keep it pretty happy and upbeat, but I don't think that they've given it, they've given us a choice. I mean, and I think the, to me, what makes it even more painful, I mean, but I mean the fact that 19 people, 20 is the 21 in total. I think it's 21 total. 21 in total, but I mean, it was like, at first when I was, you know, I was I was celebrating my 14-year-old's 8th grade promotion as I was, mm-hmm. as my Twitter feed started going crazy with all that information. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching him, walk, you know, walk down the field, get his little diploma, and I'm thinking, holy fuck, you know, a lot of kids just got robbed out of a future right and at that and i i was watching this or reading about it and 
my daughter is the same age as these as these kids. Well, it hits close to home there for you. Like I said, so, it's it, it's crazy. I looked at the pictures, dude. I was in tears. I'm not lately. I've become this cold, numb piece of whatever. I don't know. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But it brought tears to my eyes, and and I don't know. It finally I was starting to feel better. And then, then all this bullshit started popping up about how the people that are sworn to protect them failed to do anything. They just stood out there, detaining the parents that were desperate, trying to go in. You know, I heard a, I heard, I, I, and, and that just like stirred up the pain a, a, even more. I was listening to a news program. Uh, Breaking points did a. Um, they they've done a very good job of covering this and putting it out there and holding people accountable. Um, and they played a audio clip. Uh, I guess the video is out there. I don't think I want to watch the video, uh, of a father who's screaming at the, uh, the police officers that they need to go in there. Why aren't they doing something? Why aren't they going in? Um, and while these police officers have their tasers out and have handcuffs and turns out this father, it, his daughter was killed when he was screaming at these cops to do something. They could have saved his daughter's life, and it's it's heartbreaking. You then know, you have it, the it really is you have the teacher that uh, was killed, and then collateral damage. Her husband had a fatal heart attack, so that family right there just lost a mother and a father. Right. And now there's reports that law, some law enforcement was going in, getting their own kids out. Yeah, and, I, I, and I, I read that too. And, you know, the last time we talked about anything close to this is when the shit went down in Florida. Four years right. ago. About four years ago. You know, it, it, like I said, it's it's really heartbreaking. I mean, the, the EMS guy that was taking care of this little girl and the little girl was telling him that... Her friend, her best friend had been shot. And he's like, Who's your best friend? And then she says her name. It turns out to be mm. his turns out to be his daughter. Oh my god. Yeah, so I was like, Holy oh. fuck. And I'm like, how well, I mean, like I said, we were close in, in, in something that is very close to law enforcement. And I mean, we we work with people that when shots were fired would run in the opposite direction and let the, you know, armed people would run in the opposite direction and let the taser go. So, I mean, I know that there is people like that, but 19 motherfuckers, right? There was 19 motherfuckers there out of the 19. Not one of them had the, the, the decency to serve and protect. I guess it was an off-duty guy who actually was the one who went in. That is what it, so- it sounds like—an off-duty uh, border patrol that ended up going in and not even a cop, telling. not even a cop, a border patrol officer. Right. Well, well, I, I guess they're, I, I consider them. They're, well, they're yeah, but what I'm saying but, is, a border patrol is is more federal, protecting the borders. We have municipal cops, people that are. Right supposed to be doing that job that uh, you know so it's not that i'm not trying to take anything away from him but he's he wasn't like a municipal cop he was a federal agent right. it, uh, 
It, it's and you're you know this is one of those situations where where Otto and myself there's a lot of times where we have difference of opinions when it comes to different things politically I wouldn't even say difference of opinion we just sometimes see things differently and we have communications and we talk about things and we you know sometimes he changes my mind sometimes I change his mind sometimes yep. we meet in the middle um, but on this one there. There's no debate. <laughs> like, there is none. This I mean, because think about it. If that would have happened in one of those places that we don't mention, even though we work in the same field, we weren't sworn officers, I know that I know a handful of motherfuckers that would have gone in. Right. And, you know, that that includes you and me. Right. <laughs> that it, well, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah. Shit happens, you know, so I, I can't see how they, they, they would just do that. I don't know. I guess we'll... Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm jaded because I've been fortunate enough to work alongside and walk amongst people who, who run towards that. You know, that, that's what yeah. they've made their whole... Their whole life has been yeah. towards, you know, learning how to handle that and do that. and Yeah. You know, I don't know, maybe Mayberry... These Mayberry cops just—I don't know. I—if I was retired, there's so much I could say right now, but I can't. <laughs> I can't. Uh, uh, those who know know. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, motherfuckers, motherfuckerettes. Like I said, hope you enjoyed the the interview with Vic Ferrari. His right. book. He was he was a whole lot of fun. Uh, please go out and, and check out his books. They're not very expensive. And if you get them on, on Kindle, I think they're only like 2 two or $3, aren't they? I got, yeah, I think it was like two ninety nine or something like that. I can't remember. I, I downloaded, uh, the. did we even mention the name Dick Hits and Debauchery? Mm-hmm. Debauch- <laughs> <laughs> That's the one that it was like very cursory overload, but... The new one, Confessions of a Catholic High School Graduate. Uh, it's uh, you can pre-order it. I already did. I um, mean, like, a, come August, whenever, whatever deadline, it's supposed to download automatically into my Kindle. So, um, yeah. So go ahead, cop his his, right, his right. book. Help him out. Um, tell him another. Tell him you heard that on cursory overload. That way he doesn't hesitate. Wants to come back. That way he'll answer <laughs> next time we text him. He'll be like, "Oh yeah, I'll go talk to those fuckers." <laughs> Uh, we have another another uh, person we want to give a little shout out to. Uh, a good friend of the of ours. Um, we we worked with him, uh, and, and he has since gone on to to do other things. Now now, what really kind of struck me as interesting was you guys all know how how much I like cruising, how much I like going on cruises, how much fun it is. Well, this young gentleman. Um, it's kind of like us. He he works a normal nine to five, and on the side, he he became a travel agent. So we wanted to make sure you guys, if you're ever looking for, you know, he does cruises, he does uh, Disney trips, he does airlines, all kinds of stuff. If you ever are in a in the market to to go out and and see the world, um, you might want to give this guy a call. You know, uh, we should ahead. see. You know, I was just thinking. Uh, you you're talking about Billy the Kid, right? Yeah. You we he worked with us and he was very uh very efficient at 
<laughs> this dog here called, nicknamed him Billy the Kid. Of course, he was younger. Right. But, oh, wow, it'd be awesome to have him on. If he, yeah, if he I, I'll shoot him a message. Hmm, you know. That, I will shoot him a message, see if he's open to it, and kind of he can talk to us about all the, you know, things going on. Um, he, he runs a company called Cruise Planners. And it's, uh, it's run out of out of there in Arizona, but they, he said that they can take calls from all over, you know, wherever you are. You can call them up, and, and they they can take care of good care of you. Uh, the phone number is 480-764-7043. And when you call them, tell them that you heard it on our show. Cursory and that overload. Way, you know, tell them that you heard it from us. Uh, he said... He wanted to, to put it out there that right now Royal Caribbean is offering 30% off on their cruises and kids under 12 sale for free. Hmm. Who knows? Maybe I maybe maybe I might even. You need to. Uh, it shouldn't yeah, be I, a maybe. You need to. I need to start living. Motherfucker, you haven't had a break in fucking months. Uh, you know, I... That's how you get in trouble. I mean, you stay working, stay busy, no trouble. No. You no, you, you live and no. I know. No, seriously. You're not. That's the thing. You're not, motherfucker. You're not. You're working. I'm working. That's true. Holy fuck. All right, motherfuckers, motherfuckerettes. It's been a pleasure having you guys. Till next time. Uh, right. The usual. Uh, Mister Mr. Vic, please, please, please. I can't say this enough. Understand how appreciative we are uh, that you were you were gracious enough to take some time out of your day and and, and holler at us for a little while. Yep. Like um, and, and and go out there buy some books. Yeah. Call get a cruise going. Uh, but just remember, uh, your homework for for this week is just go home and and give your loved ones a hug, because you never know. Yeah. Tomorrow's not promised to anyone, and you know. Anyway, thanks for bringing me down, fucker. Anyway, <laughs> later. Well, hey, sometimes it's the way it is, man. No, it is. All right, man. All right. Later. Y'all take care. Later.